Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us, why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Heather, recorded in July 2023. The theme I take away from this conversation is technology and diversity. With her passion, she is here to accelerate change in the industry. All right, we're now recording. Hello, everyone. Noreen here. Today I have with me Heather. Thank you so much for joining me. Pleasure. Nice to be here. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, so I work with Alliance. So we're a guest experience um, company. So we look at everything from the guest journey through hotels, staff experiences, and then how technology can enable that to be better, whether that's just better from an experiential perspective or better from efficiencies and revenue. Um, but I am relatively new into the hospitality space. I cut my teeth in traditional consulting. Um, so worked with um, a big uh, multinational consulting firm for about 13 years. Um, so spent a lot of time um, coding, delivering complicated projects uh, towards the end of my career, being really launched into more intervention roles. Um, but as part of my, I guess, my extracurricular role within that business, um, I spent a lot of time looking at performance management, looking at how we ran our EDI approaches, what we were doing to bring a more balanced perspective into some of the conversations, whether that was around what made good performance or what a day needed to look like, or whether that was what events were running and whether they all needed to be completely fueled by alcohol, or we needed to think about a, a more diverse spectrum of what fun could be. Um, so that's always been really, really important to me. It's something I've always really enjoyed. It's a big part of the role I have on our on our senior leadership team within Alliance. Um, we are you know, we've started a startup as an industry, you know, with technology, it's still relatively male dominated. Um, so for me, it's really important just to bring in a slightly different voice, slightly different perspective, um, perspective of someone who's grown up through fairly male dominated IT industries within energy and, you know, media and high tech, um, who quite often in the room is the only female, um, certainly the only female under 50, um, certainly usually the only person on a leadership team who's female, um, and who's a mum. So there are lots of things to juggle. I want to make sure that when we're thinking about things from our business and how we grow our business, we're mindful to what those options are, um, and how just to, to think in other people's shoes a little bit, not just assume if 90% of us are males without children or, or without dependents, then that's, that's the majority, because actually we need to be focusing on the smaller percentage of people to making sure that we really got that balanced view. Thank you so much for that introduction and so much you've said there that <laughs> resonates with me and I can't wait to get into more details on it um, as we go through this conversation today. Uh, but let's really start at the beginning and talk about, you know, how you came into, I guess, as you call the traditional consulting, like, you know, when we're you know, 18, 19, deciding to go to university and then trying to figure out what should be our next career step. I thought I was very, <laughs> I was very sure of what I was going to do. 
at the same time, I was not sure about what I was going to do. I guess I was sure about being in hospitality, but I had no idea what I wanted to do uh, within hospitality. So I kind of went through like a training program to to help me figure things out. So what helped you get you on this career path? Yeah. Um, so I studied music all through my undergrad and my postgrad. So very non-consultingy. I wasn't a business major. Um I had a passion for travel. I always knew I wanted to travel. I traveled a lot with my father with my father's job. So we were always going to very interesting countries. He was in shipping. Um, so I knew I wanted to travel. I was coming towards the end of my master's, sitting in a library, getting a little bit fed up of not having very much human interaction. And um, as is often the case, met a boy who was working for the company I joined and he said come and do a year you will pay off some of your student loans breathe a little bit and then go back to it finish the PhD I'm like okay that sounds like a really sensible idea um as these amazing recruitment processes work that are sometimes like voodoo magic I turned up never having really understood business but someone in that recruitment process saw a really intrinsic link between music left side of the brain and coding so I was boot camped as a developer I was a pretty decent developer in a language obviously that's massively obsolete these days um and just went through those ranks and I think for me I was curious I was always curious I always wanted to know how businesses were running why decisions were made how people did their jobs um and a massive part of my job for me was being on an airplane, going to different places, which when I was younger and had no dependents um, was really exciting, right? So I got the bug of that from sort of the other angle. I was a recipient of that hospitality. I was the recipient of it. And there were times it was great and there were times it was less great. But, you know, that for me was my launch into a different world to what I'd been studying since I was a dot, right? So it was just a different, a different way. And I'm massively grateful for whoever was in that recruitment process that thought this person looks like they might be able to do something other than play in a symphony orchestra or do research on conductors right I mean it was it was amazing and in these big old consultancies it's competitive it's up and out you get on with it you prove yourselves you become amazing and if you don't you know you're sidelined and that's brutal Mm. actually in hindsight for me that was an absolute making of my career it made me who I am it made me realize what balance was later than maybe it should have mm-hmm. um, but it made me really appreciate what you can achieve if you focus on it and you're given the right support structure to to excel thank you so much for sharing that and yeah fantastic whoever that person was to see that <laughs> um I guess opportunity right in you and for the business right because obviously you went on to do to do great things and um, I want to talk a little bit about that support structure because that's something that comes up a lot, especially what I've seen in my own career without the support, I wouldn't have grown and progressed. And if we think about women progressing within their careers, it's often when they don't have a good support structure in place, then that's when they are not successful. So what was support structure? Uh, what did it look like for you? Um, I was... I was really lucky, I think, and it and it feels a little bit sad to say it was because I was lucky, but I think I was lucky. I had um, a great partner in in that consultancy that I worked with um, for a number of years. She was fierce. She was bright. She was exceptional with customers. 
you know, she could be direct with a team and make them successful and then utterly charming, you know, and it was, and seeing how she operated for me was really interesting. She could, she could stand up and be one of the men if she needed to be in a, in a meeting where she was, uh, if she needed to have a voice, but she could also bring that feminine curiosity and empathy into conversations where that's what was required. And that was amazing. And she was my career, you know, my career counselor. She was somebody I worked with. Um, she's now godmother to one of my children. Um, you know, she was a real, she was a real pivotal person in my, in my life really. Um, and it was really refreshing because, you know, this was late, late nineties, early two thousands. And a lot of the women who were successful were successful because they behaved like men. Mm. So they went in and they wanted to be, you know, they had to behave how they did. They had to be as loud, as boisterous at times as, you know, fists on the desk. And, and I knew that wasn't, that definitely wasn't what I wanted to be. Um, I think I probably went through a cycle where that is how I behaved to get to some of my promotion points um, because that's what was necessary. But again, I think now really important for me is that that's not how you should behave. And that's not how we as women should have to behave. We need to have recognition of the differences we bring, the empathy we bring, the different skills we bring, the different style we approach stuff is so important to diversify conversations across peers um, that actually, you know, we can be more successful actually by not mimicking the, the standard behavior. But she was really important. She, you know, she was someone who I really admired and she, and, she, and she just behaved differently. She could she could bring multiple different approaches. And I think that was really refreshing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that's like music to my ears hearing you talk about, you know, the feminine approach and bringing the different styles. You're absolutely right. We we need to embrace and tap into that. And it was something that I shied away from for a very long time. It was something that I kind of kept hidden or I didn't really like, I guess, what's it called? Talk loudly about. I can't find the word right now. But like empathy was something that has actually made me a really successful leader because I am curious. I ask questions. I want to know what's important to your life. And I love how you described like asking those questions in a curious way when it needs to be. But at the same time, you can still be firm. You can still be assertive when you need to be depending on the situation. And I think that's how I've also approached leadership is you flex your style according to the situation that you're in and according to the person that you're talking to, depending on how, who you are interacting with in your team at that point in time. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I also think, you know, an awareness of those different social size styles of people who you are trying to engage with, whether you're trying to engage because you need to influence them, whether you're trying to engage because you want them to open up to you because you know something's not right, but there's a fear factor of still, I think, in the workplace being transparent to challenges, yes. right, and struggles. Um, I, yeah, I think, I just think we bring a lens and a, an approach that is really powerful. And I think the more we have allies in our leaderships who recognize that, and use us in a really positive way to drive that awareness and drive that openness. And I'm really lucky. I feel like I've, I have that. Um, then that's all the more power to other women, to businesses as a whole, because 
you know, that diversity of how people do things and think is going to be ultimately what makes a difference in a business. It's going to make a difference who wants to work there, yeah. make a difference of how they work, how successful they are. And no matter what we're delivering, we we have no business without our people. So if we don't have that right, then I think we've got a real problem. Absolutely. Uh, so coming back to your career journey, how long did you spend in consulting and then what did you do next? Yeah, so I was in consulting for about, in consulting within a, an established business for about 13 years. Um, I then went off and set up my own company. Um, so I worked really briefly as an independent contractor and it was great. My bills were paid, but I had a real sense of lacking purpose. So for me, my job has never been, I go in, I do my nine to five, I tick my boxes and I walk away. Um, that's just not my personality. So I found contracting slightly soulless if I'm honest. Um, and I was getting involved with much more than I needed to as a contractor, which made me realize actually I need more out of this for me. Um, so set up a transformation consultancy, worked with a number of clients who I'd met just through contracting and through life, um, built little teams to go and help them think through what they were trying to do and why. So not going in with a yes, you definitely need to go and implement that system. But actually, again, being curious, what is it you're trying to achieve? Why do you think that system's the answer? Have we looked at the spectrum of, you know, the art of the possible? How is that going to change your wider business model? Is there actually a nub of something that means that technology isn't going to really fix it? Is there a procedural challenge? Are there some people challenges? Is there a culture challenge? Um, so I did that for a while, did that for about five years. And, you know, that was amazing. Built teams of people who didn't know each other, who came together. We got them to be effective. Um, and we, you know, and we had some great customer and, and client results and teams who I'm still in contact with now. So people who I still very happily would bring on to any engagement if we needed kind of additional manpower, because that's, that's the model they enjoy. Um, COVID brought that to a really quick halt. So, you know, budgets were really different. Everyone was looking at things differently. The IR35 tax rules threw a lot of confusion into how subcontracting was going to work and how people would manage that in their personal lives. Um, and kind of that bubble of things just made me take a bit of a breath, really. It was slightly forced, slightly, it was nice to have a bit of a break. I hadn't had a break, even through having kids, Not never really had more than four months off. So it was... It was good. And that breath, I looked around, I did a little bit of other work. I did some work helping a recruitment business look at how to build up more of a services style delivery. So not just augmenting ones and twos, but taking away a challenge and delivering it back as a project. Um, but we moved to where I live now, which is in the south of the UK, which happens to be a short hop on a boat to where Alliance's headquarters, had some mutual connections and had a chat with them about what they were trying to do with the business. And it was just, a, it, it was a very weird, amazing, fortuitous COVID induced match made in heaven. It was everything I knew I wanted. I think from them, it sounds like I was what they were looking for and the stars just aligned and it was great. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? When the stars just align the way that they're they're meant to, and somehow you're always kind of brought to that point, right? I think sometimes I need it. it ha it's happened to me in other situations, and sometimes I worry too much 
about it not materializing but then you know I have to believe in the fates have their way of bringing people together yeah and I think when it happens it's it's amazing I'm you know for all the things I I love and I believe in I'm you know I'm not a massive the stars aligned and everything's fate and it's already written on the wall right I'm a I think there's a big amount of nurture in the nature um but yeah it, this has just been it's been incredible I've landed in an industry that I couldn't love more even as a consumer of it rather than a you know a leader within it previously um I'm working in a in a business where I know I make a difference I'm a different personality I have a different skill set I've got a different background um surrounded by a pretty young workforce who are hungry to learn and I just don't think you can ask for much more than being surrounded by you know bright energetic people who want to make a difference and it's it's really great and you said earlier that you love travel so I think you that's one common factor that brings everyone together into hospitality is a love of travel and wanting to experience uh, different places and cultures and people so I think that is a a common love that we all share uh, now that you've come into our industry, what have you seen? What have you learned? What do you what do you still like about it? <laughs> well, I still love it. Um, I have a newfound respect for what it takes to deliver the experiences that I've encountered as a consumer of it. Um, I absolutely love the human centric nature of everything that happens or should happen in the industry. Um weirdly I also really love the fact that it is a little bit behind right we are not really leading the way in terms of what we can do with things right so data is not massively harnessed in hospitality um we talk a lot about hospitality you know and making people feel at home and hospitable and whether that's at the uber luxury end or whether it's you know mainstream or budget there's an expectation that people have as human consumers now that there is a certain level that is an acceptable service. And I think that's exciting for hospitality because it actually is going to push everyone to do a little bit better. You know, I think there's an element where Apple's slightly brokenness, you know, we open our beautiful Apple box and everything just works and it's beautiful and it's shiny and it's mainstream. I think as, you know, as people, we kind of just expect that in life now, right? We expect things to just work. So if I turn up to a hotel, whether I'm going to a Premier Inn or whether I'm going to a Four Seasons, there's an element of simplicity and consistency and feeling welcome that I expect, whether I've paid 90 quid a night or 900 quid a night. Mm. And that's human nature. And I think in hospitality, there's something quite exciting about working out how we can deliver that to that expectation at all those different price points. And actually, that's a really exciting challenge, right? Because the foundations of what anyone needs to allow that to happen is already at everyone's fingertips. We know who people are. We know who's staying. We have information on them because they've shared it as part of their booking or as part of their you know, inquiry. It's on us now to say, how much do we really care about our guests? How much do we want to show them that we value them, that we want them to be an important part of our family? Um, and I think that's, I think that's cool. I think it's a really easy disruption, but my goodness, what a difference that would make to everyone turning up. Oh, wow. You remembered my name. Who doesn't like to walk into a bar and the barman says, oh, I remember what you'd like to drink or to your gym and the trainer already knows who you're coming in to see. There's something about feeling 
important enough that someone remembers you. That's something we should we should go into any property and we should get those goosebumps for like, great, I'm home. It's easy. And I think we've got we've all got a massive opportunity to help make that happen. And that's that's really cool. Yeah, it's that feeling of being recognized, right? It's just such a it's a it's a, a reward, like an intrinsic reward that you can deliver so easily and doesn't really actually cost you all that much uh, to be able to do that. And if you feel comfortable in a place immediately, right, your guard comes down, you're mm -hmm. open to a different conversation, you want to go and be more exploratory because you don't feel uncomfortable. You feel like you've arrived somewhere where you can just relax. Yeah. And that opens up a whole plethora of business opportunities, um, which ultimately is what hotels need, right? We need to work out how to get the spend up. We need to work out how to make the ancillaries more but we also need to work out how to differentiate. There is a lot of hotels and a lot of brands out there offering something very similar. The differentiator is going to be how people feel right and the experiences we can give them when they're there. And that's 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 really neat. That's neat coming in from other sectors where we're already we've already been exploring that for a while, mm. right? So bringing some of that experience in to help us accelerate, change, disrupt, whichever way you want to look at it, hospitality is is really good. Yes. And what you said earlier about technology and hospitality, we are a little bit behind. Um, you're not the first to say that. And definitely I'm, I have experienced this myself. More, what someone else shared with me recently on one of the podcasts is it the other way to look at it is that we can learn from other industries as well. What works, what doesn't work, and then take our time to make it work or you know fit for purpose for hospitality right and focusing on the experience and someone else I was speaking to is like like that that moment that you just described when someone comes in and they're relaxed and they recognize that they're guard down it makes for a much better guest experience as well and also you know how does that impact the employee experience right and how do we make sure that those two are combined together because if you're having a bad day you can remember the guest's name but if you're having a bad day it doesn't matter at that point no. no and I think and that's right right the staff experience we all talk guest experience but really the the guest experience is intrinsically linked to a staff right as we cannot run any property without the human nature right so I for me the human centricity is so important but for me the the exciting thing with technology is yes hospitality is not leading the way doesn't really need to right learn from other industries mistakes let them go and do some trailblazing you know we work on the side business that i run we work with non-hospitality customers and that's great because they're really excited about how to give that gold standard hospitality feel like to their customers not guests but equally hotels are really excited to understand how we've done certain things with technology or data or machine learning with mm. non-hotels and how that's transferable and i think using that transferability of experiences is, is really great. But the exciting things for staff, for me, should be that we find a way and we are finding ways where technology can take away some of the drudgery. And what they're actually left with is the stuff that they presumably joined hospitality for in the first place, which was to deal with people and make people's days amazing and you know make them have a great experience or allow them to know that they can eat the food they want because we knew that they want that that restaurant and we've made it available to them. So all those things I think are where staff, the staff experience and therefore retention and loyalty and all that 
with staff is really powerful. If we can get it right and we can get them to see technology as an and, not an instead of, mm-hmm. allows them to elevate what they're doing. I think that's 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 the art of what you know what we need to get across as technology partners to these properties. This isn't about the technologies instead of you. Let us help you to articulate to us what technology can take away from you so that you can do the stuff that you really love. Yeah, take away, like you said, the drudgery, right? The mundane task, you know, to enable us to be focused on what we're supposed to be there for and take away all the the admin stuff that really, really technology should be able to take care of now. Yeah. Yeah, it's so much more powerful to walk into a hotel and, you know, maybe they recognize you, maybe they've got a way to recognize you, but they can... You know, the conversation at that desk, if you choose to go to a desk, is how was your stay? How was your family? You know, we know you went to Nobu last time. Would you like us just to get that sorted for you? I can see that you've got a few hours free. Is there anything I can arrange in the spa rather than have your passport? Do you have your identification? Can I take a swipe of that credit card? Those are so different experiences, which which is what technology should be allowing these, you know, these front desk staff who work ridiculously hard and ridiculous hours just to bring a bit more joy into how they're able to present out to the customer out to the guest absolutely and uh, bring the conversation uh, back to diversity and the importance of it what would you like to see more of in any area that you're working in um it's gosh it's really interesting i mean in hospitality there is a great diversity, right? So we have hospitality probably, maybe along with healthcare, has the most diverse workforce if you go from the most entry level up to the most senior. I think listening to them, so working on customer forums, putting putting forums in place where no matter what job or what level of job you're doing, we have a way to understand the pain points, not just understand the pain points of the managers who are telling them what to do, genuinely what people are struggling with or would value i think that's um that's powerful that's that's otherwise we're building solutions for leaders who may or may not ever have done the job of the person who it's influencing so that for me is really important really harnessing that diversity um because ultimately that diversity is also going to make the brand or the property successful because mm-hmm. it brings in personality and everything else um I think also there's a little bit of disruption for me, which is a little bit naughty, um, but I say it with with all the right intentions, just in terms of getting more diverse voices into some of the traditional hospitality forums. So um, I've attended a number in the last year. Um, Panels are very male dominated, very white male dominated, very over 60 dominated. Um, And I don't, think that's maybe intentional I think it's easy because Mm. there are people in levels of roles who are just known in industry and they're a great person to bring on a stage that's great but actually what's what's the harm interjecting that with someone who maybe isn't the CEO or the CFO but has a really diverse perspective that would conjure up a much more interesting conversation Um, I don't think you need to be a CEO X anything to have permission to stand on the stage. I think you need to have be someone who 
has passion, mm-hmm. who has experience and has a point of view. Because ultimately, if those aren't the things we're letting people talk about, then those panels become really boring. If we're just there to say, well, you know, today's answer is this because that's what I've been told to say or that's the right thing to say. You know, people aren't going to pay money to go to conferences to hear that. I think you you there's a real opportunity to mix it up. And I think that for me is what I'm keen to do. I'm working with our marketing team to kind of rethink how we approach some of these events. Um, so I think dis- positive disruption to force a little bit more diversity. Um, I don't think people, I don't think it's that people don't want it. It's just a bit harder, right? It's hard yeah. to facilitate an event if you don't know who to go and ask because they're not the same 20 people as the last five years. But the power of doing that, I think, would be massively transformative to the value of the conversation that would be happening. Completely agree. And you're absolutely right. There, When it comes to hospitality, you know, we do view it as being hard. You know, it's a 24-hour business. How do we make changes, et cetera, et cetera. But because something is hard doesn't mean it should not be challenged or disrupted and try and make some changes. And I love what you're saying about bringing those different voices. You're absolutely right. Over the years, I've gone to so many different events, tends to be the same, same people on stage. And I'm like, what's the harm of bringing something, a different voice onto that stage and hear from someone who maybe doesn't have the right title, but has a real diverse opinion and thought and, you know, has something valuable to share as well. So yeah. Which is what I'm trying to do with this podcast as well. I'm trying to bring as many voices as possible. <laughs> yeah, it's so important. And and I think, you know, everyone who would who would follow it and listen to it would be grateful because we need more of this, right? This yeah. needs to be more of the conversation needs to be about what can we do as a collaborative just to force a little bit of forward thinking. Agreed. Um, and so coming back to you, um, throughout your career journey, you know, we, we learned a lot of things, you know, you were obviously a coder once upon a time to now, <laughs> um, you know, leading teams and organizations. Um, what are some of the things that you've learned about yourself, um, more than just the technical skills that you've picked up along the way? Um, I think, so I think I, I've learned that for me, purpose is really important. Mm. A job for me will never be a nine to five, which I've also learned is really hard to manage. It's it's hard to self-regulate. I have I have an addictive personality. So I am all in. So through school, I was all into music. Then I was all into sports and I did, you know, county and UK level athletics. Then I was all into my career. Then I was all into very little children when they were tiny and needed me. And now I'm we're that tipping point of I can be more all into my career, but I can't. There are people who need me to be more than just Heather at work. And I think when you have an addictive personality, that's really hard to manage because mm-hmm. you don't want to compromise on anything. So I've learned that's something I have to address. I think that's harder as a woman on a leadership team in an industry that's quite male dominated because I don't want to be seen as the person who leaves at four every now and again because my kid's sick because, you know, what might happen when I'm not there or who might make a choice or mm-hmm. does that diminish my value? So I've had to learn to deal with that. I've had to accept it, which frankly sucks because I don't want to. But, you know, I can't just be this person or that person or that person. I have to work out how to do all of it. Um, so, yeah, purpose, addictive personality, um, definitely all into whatever it is I'm focused on. Um, 
I've also learned and continue to learn that as you know, when I was in my consulting business, we used to do, you know, your personality traits. And I am an apps, I was then an absolute top quadrant A driver, you know, win at any cost, whatever carnage is left behind you, that's what you have to do. And that was part, you know, that was partly the nineties in business, but I, I was, I put myself there because that's what I thought I needed to succeed. Mm -hmm. I think I'm learning how to moderate that where I need to. So I, I always want to win. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Put me on the mum's race at the school. I want to win. Um, but, and I want to do, and I want to win for our customers. I want them to be successful. What I'm learning, and this is probably slightly with age, is it doesn't have to come at any cost. And there definitely shouldn't be casualties. Um, and building teams who can work together and share a culture and share a, share something. It might not be a common goal on everything, but share something that intrinsically binds them so that we can succeed together to win is <laughs> is really important. You know, and I can I can joke about it and I joke about it with my teams. Um, everyone wants to be successful. We have a choice how we do it and how we get there. And hospitality is a small world, business is a small world, you burn bridges and you are, you know, you've burnt your bridges and it's not worth it. You know, we've got to just find ways to do amazing stuff together. So those are my big, my big life learnings, I think so far. Thank you so much for sharing, uh, sharing those. And yeah, those are definitely some big, big life learnings. And it comes with that self-awareness and yeah, self-acceptance of, you know, who you are and where you need to flex and where, where you don't. So it's important yeah. to know that. Um, look, I would love to keep talking to you, but I'm going to move on to my final question. Ask you who inspires you? Oof, gosh, it's difficult, isn't it? I think, I think rather than a, a particular person, I think I'm inspired by people who don't give up and who have a passion that drives them to something, whether that is a passion that drives them to deliver something they've committed whether it's a passion enough to say no to something they think's wrong and actually isn't the right answer um but yeah I think for me just being inspired by people who have have a purpose and want to make a difference and aren't afraid to you know if they need to be a bit pointy or disruptive about it aren't afraid to do what they think is right to 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 make that difference I think for me that's that's kind of what inspires me and people generally. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you. It's been really lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were as inspired as I was by that story. Please follow us here and on LinkedIn where I post videos of the recordings. Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality.